As we say good afternoon again and welcome along to Philip Rankin and Peter Mullen. Hello, gentlemen. How are we today? Greetings on this fine Hello, day. Hello, Dave. We have got such an interesting topic today. Naturopaths won't eat these foods that we're going to talk about. That's exactly right. We all know the sorts of foods we should be eating, fresh, organic, good quality proteins. But there are definitely foods that everyone should be avoiding to have good health. And we surveyed our naturopaths at work and we came up with this list. Now, I have a theory. I'm going to share this with you. Mm-hmm. Foods that taste good are bad for you. Does this fall in line with your theory here, what, what foods that naturopaths won't eat? Yes, I think that's a really good um, <laughs> way to, to um, adopt your diet is don't okay. eat foods that taste good. Yes. If they taste good, they're not good for you. Well, usually you're craving that. So what yeah. you're probably trying to say is that if it's sweet and I need sweet foods, they're no good for me. And there's a good reason for that. Before we get started, very special day tomorrow. Very oh, what special. What is day. it? What is it? Well, Wednesday. The, the sun comes up and Peter uh, is one yeah. year older. Oh, Peter's yeah. birthday. We're going to have to let the tomorrow. cat out of yeah. the bag. There's, so big five oh, big five oh. Hey, so that's a big birthday. It is, f- and you're not fifty till next year. No, I was in January. So, oh, you've already turned fifty. Yeah, thank you for rubbing oh, great. it. Great, I am the youngest. I'm the, yeah, I'm the oldest. <laughs> I remember the that. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, okay. So, so fifty. Little, what are you going to do for fifty? Well, I'm going on holidays. Yeah, awesome. That's great. Taking so, the family, they've managed to tag along as well. So I thought I should take them. And so if you're sitting there listening to this, Peter's got a very special surprise for you. Well, just because I am turning fifty, we've got a special. Uh, gift for anyone that's interested on our website, just promoting the fact that I'm turning 50. So if anyone's interested, if they go to our website, um, there's some great I news there. I strongly urge that because while the cat's away, the mice are going to play and there's a very little special gift for everyone sitting there listening. Well, um, well that is great news. So we're encouraging you to go to the website. What is the website address again? Uh, Mullen Health or www. We don't need to say that anymore. Mullenhealth.com.au. Yeah, easy as. Okay, you've got to do that. Go and have a look today. Now, today, these foods that naturopaths won't eat, artificial colours, flavours. Yeah, all of that. Peter, Peter, this is one of the hardest areas for people scratching their head. What's good for me? What do I eat? Probably an easier list and a shorter list, maybe with, I think you've got a list there of what not to eat. Start there. Yeah, absolutely. And what I thought, Dave, was that, one of the, um, and this was, so there's four naturopaths, that the three naturopaths and myself, and we sat down and we came up with a list of foods that we thought, you know, we don't eat, so everybody shouldn't be eating these foods. That's right. not unreasonable. That's right. And, Let's start and, there. Hmm. Yeah. So the first one is any food that contains artificial colours and flavours. And that's a bit of a no-brainer. Like, we see a lot of kids that have... That's nearly you know, everything nowadays. It is. It is. And that's the problem. That's the problem. Um, they're synthetic chemical mixtures used to enhance the colour, flavour and texture of food. So that's one of the one of the big issues, is that food's gotten so far away from being yep. original. A lot of these chemicals that we still use in Australia have actually been banned overseas for causing things like cancer, mm. ADD, asthma, and yet we still use some of these chemicals in our food. So... It doesn't really make a lot of sense as so to do you why tr- this is happening. Do you suggest as an option trying to get back to natural foods, natural Absolutely. products? Absolutely. Kirsty and I were talking um, in the car on the way over here about you know numbers and what all the numbers mean, but we both sort of came up with the same concept. Basically, we want to eat foods that don't have any numbers on it. So if it's in a packet. Mm. So a really good example of a food additive to avoid is anything containing um, the 220s, and it's a preservative that um, it's one of the sulfite preservatives. So it's also in wine. And it's in all these foods that you wouldn't even be aware of. So it's been linked to things like anaphylaxis, where people have trouble breathing. 
um, can be fatal to asthmatics, swelling, diarrhea, bronchitis, stomach upsets, uh, vitamin B1 deficiency. But we're seeing, so preservative 220 is also in bread. Why are they still putting well. it in then? Well, I think because of just to extend the shelf life. You know, it all comes back to money at the end of the day. Like if you if you make a fresh product, a fresh baked product, it's going to have a very short shelf life. Whereas if you make something with these additives and preservatives, you know, things that you find on the shelves in, in those bakeries can be there for three months. They keep putting it in too because <coughs> we keep eating it. And the more we become aware of those chemical concoctions, if you like, then uh, they'll start removing some of this out of the food. What's the other ones, Peter? Uh, well, just another couple of examples. Um, there's a colour, 132, can cause allergic reactions, has caused tumours in animal testing, and this is in children's lollies, this mm -hmm. colour. Mm. Asthma, hyperactivity, breathing difficulties, hypertension, high blood pressure, banned in Norway and prohibited in foods for infants. Mm. But yeah. it's in lollies that we sell here in Australia. So number one for us from a naturopathic point of view, Dave, as you said, is to get back to eating foods yeah. that are in their close to, close to natural state as possible. Mm -hmm. The molecular structure of some of these chemicals, the body has to break down, um, take apart, and then and then try and get energy out of it. And it's just not there. There's the, they're not they're not food products. Mm. So, so that's <laughs> foods containing artificial colours and flavours. What else should we be mindful of? Uh, number two on the hit list was genetically modified foods, and I think with genetically modified foods, the jury is still out a little bit. Like. These foods, they they um, they do contain different compounds to what we'd normally get in our natural state. Um, GMO. The, this is the GMO, the the acronym GMO. Is that how we look for ge genetically modified foods? Yeah, I think it is GMOs. Yeah, G yeah. So we try and recommend not eating anything that's been genetically modified. Um, and one of the problems with genetically modified foods is they have to use a a high number of pesticides and chemicals because they've modified them so much away from their natural state to be able to mass produce them and grow large numbers, they've got to treat them chemically a lot more so that the pesticides don't... Um, and so, so genetically modified foods, you've got the double whammy of the genetic modification, which we don't know what that's going to do to our DNA, plus the extra chemicals and preservatives used to process them. And we've got some surprising foods for you now that you may think are good for you, but Peter Mullen, these aren't good for you. That's right, Dave. And the first one is farm seafood. So again, a lot of seafood in Australia is being um, grown overseas and then shipped in. And lots of issues with this type of, of food in the sense that um, we don't know what the, the quality of the waterways are where these fishes are coming from. So they pick up any toxins or waste products or byproducts. Or if they're grown in, in countries where there's you know rice paddies nearby and they're using chemicals and pesticides, you're really getting a concentrated yeah. toxic load of stuff as well as the fish. Um, the other thing with farm seafood is that it tends to be lower in the good quality omega-3s because they're not getting the natural food, so they're not good sources of omega-3s. And the other issue is what these fish are being fed. Now, um, obviously, with, with farm fish, you've got to get farm, like, fish pellets from somewhere, but... Um, you know, there's no information given as to what's put in these yeah. fish pellets, whether they use uh, antibiotics, whether they use oils. Someone was telling me once that um, a lot of oil, like food manufacturing places that have rancid oil that gets used over and over, that that may be being mixed back into to feedstock mm. for, for food sources. Your next one is so interesting because I thought it was good for you. Tuna. Yeah. 
So the theory is, our theory with tuna, and there's there's a bit of information around about this, because tuna, like, like everyone knows these days that mercury is probably the most um, prolific pollutant on the planet. You know, they're finding mercury all over the, everywhere basically, and um, particularly in our waterways. So the problem with big fish like tuna that eat a lot of small fish, they're actually going to accumulate mercury in their tissue. So if you eat um, things like tuna, we always think the bigger fish to avoid are things like shark, swordfish, uh, gemfish, like any, any bigger fish that eats a lot of smaller fish, we generally would tend to recommend to stay clear of because of that potential mercury content. And even having, for some kids that have issues with getting rid of mercury, even as little as three servings of tuna a week can really increase their mercury load, which is an absolute okay, okay. toxin to the nervous system and, and everything. Radio. Now, tell us about the next one, which is quite interesting because this is used in a lot of other products, I think. Yeah, high fructose corn syrup. So there was a great show I saw a little while back um, on in, it came from America talking about why Mer- I think they called it the food that made Americans fat or something and they're saying that it's this high fructose corn syrup that it was a, a cheaper alternative to sugar mm-hmm. and so they started to use that as a sweetener um, and even their Coca-Cola I think is made using high fructose corn syrup and the story is with the corn syrup or the high fructose corn syrup is that it really can promote pre-diabetes and fatty liver it's not processed in quite the same way as what cane sugar is and um, yeah it can make a massive difference with um, weight gain a lot of the corns genetically modified so you've got the double whammy of genetically modified and this high fructose corn syrup um, as I said being linked to metabolic diseases like obesity and diabetes and as you know yourself you're going to America later this year but nearly all the foods you eat in America are sweet yeah yeah, they seem to add Not sweet good. back into everything. So high fructose corn syrup is definitely a big no-no. Now, Peter, some very interesting ones. Let's head into the first one, bread. Bread bread is, when you think about it, bread is probably one of our most processed foods. People don't think of bread as being yeah. a processed food, but we take a an indigestible hard grain, mill it, whack it, process it, mix it with chemicals, cook it under extreme temperatures, and then end up with bread. So for a lot of people, bread is hard to digest. White bread, basically, what did you say before? The the, the whiter the bread, the quicker you're dead. That's the, the saying. The whiter the bread, the quicker you're dead. <laughs> At college, we used to talk about the, the three three white deaths, white sugar, white milk, and white bread. Mm. So with white bread particularly, there's no nutritional benefit whatsoever, um, and it's easy to overeat. And we were talking about that a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about glycemic index, that two slices of bread is the equivalent carbohydrate content is two tablespoons of sugar so for people with issues with weight bread's probably the worst thing so no nutritional value um, gluten intolerance and sensitivity is becoming more prevalent because people rely on it as such a staple um, and that's causing problems with digestion and bowel health plus two if you think about white bread if you bake a loaf of white bread how long do you reckon it should last for if you made it from scratch yeah how long would it stay fresh for maybe a day day two days yeah. three days maybe well not not three days definitely but how long does a loaf of white bread stay for fresh these days mm. a week <clears throat> yeah so all the additives and preservatives like in breads you know one of those examples yeah. there's anti-mold in here there's mold inhibitors there's preservatives so we've really gotten away from so i'm really against yeah. white bread now what about pork what's wrong with pork well pork is arguably a healthy meat from a from a, a, a media perspective. But um, 
I avoid it for several several reasons. Number one, pork I think is a bit too close to human meat. Like our DNA and pig's DNA is very similar, and we even use you know pig organs to transplant for some transplants. We use um, pig extracts like thyroid extract to treat thyroid issues. So pigs are a bit too close to us, and I think things like viruses, parasites, mm. are just that's one of my concerns. The second thing is, and this is, um, um, I don't know where I've got this fact from, but we'll, this is just my opinion. Um, apparently pigs don't sweat, so we need to sweat. Like it's an important part of our detox. So for pigs not sweating, you know, grown in piggy sort of styes with lots mm. of stuff there, um, I think that's going to be an issue. Uh, and just the fact that, you know, the way we grow them these days, there's going to be a lot more chemicals and hormones and issues there. I, I, I think... If you're going to eat red meat, I'd stick more with lamb. I'd definitely try and avoid pig. And uh, cow's milk. Well, cow's milk's a very contentious issue, as you can imagine. Mm. Um, cow's milk is... One of, the, one of the problems with cow's milk, I think, is that... And people don't realise this, is that a lot of our kids are having problems with hormones. PCOS, we've talked about that, some of the hormone problems with women. I'm a little bit suspicious that because we give our kids cow's milk from an early age... Cow's milk is chockers full of cow hormone, growth hormone, estrogen, mm. testosterone, progesterone, all designed to grow a small calf into a steer within you know a 12-month period. So the hormones are an issue. Um, I think some still again pesticides, um, all of those sorts of things will end up in in cow's milk. Mm. You know the cows graze on the grass, concentrates things like pesticides. Uh, a lot of people have trouble digesting uh, lactose, the sugar in cow's milk. Um, we see a lot of kids with allergy and eczema and nearly all the kids we would treat, we'd recommend coming off cow's milk for a period of time just to see if their symptoms improve. Is, is there a substitute? Do, what do you recommend? Uh, instead of cow's milk, like if people want to use something like that, we'd recommend maybe a nut milk, an almond milk, which is really quite easy to make, or you can buy some unsweetened versions, uh, things like um, so almond milk rice milk for people that are particularly intolerant mm -hmm. but um it just sort of depends what else is going on with them whether we'd actually recommend an alternative or mm -hmm. come up with different food sources now peter your 50th birthday tomorrow celebrations are spilling over onto the website what's going on there that's exactly right for one week we've got a very special gift there for anyone that's interested to get on our website and have a look um to celebrate my 50th birthday and I look pretty good for 50. Oh, come on, we'll tell you. Let us tell you. <laughs> I thought I'd get that in there first before you Yeah, that's commented. right. Can we have a go now? Yeah, no, <laughs> I'll hold back. I'll be nice. Look, look at that, that very important list. is So on, with, on with your 50th celebration, you're going away for a few weeks. We won't have you here, but you'll have some guests for us. That's right. I've got um, three fantastic naturopaths that work in with me. Um, next week we'll have David. He'll be talking about his favourite topic, which is thyroid disorders. Uh, the following week is Kate, and she'll be talking about the connection between thyroid and the adrenals. And then the following week, Kirsty will be here talking about genetic testing and some fantastic news around how applicable this is for everybody. Right, yeah. Well, you have a lovely birthday. Thank you for today. If people would like more details about today's topic, where can we find that? Uh, we've got a great blog with this list of foods on it. And also, too, anyone that wants to give us a bit of a feedback about anything we've talked about, we're always open for that next time as well. Okay, happy birthday. Have a great day tomorrow. Happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you, boys. There you go. Philip Rankin with us and also Peter Mullen. That is Health and Wellbeing here at 2NURFM. Back at midday next uh, next Tuesday at 2NURFM 103.7.